first reading is from, as you can see, the second letter of Paul to the Christians at Corinth. And we're on chapter 4, reading verses 1 to 7. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from Luke, chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. And this may be found on screen or on page 1038 of the Church Bible. Luke chapter 9. Jesus sends out the 12. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testament <coughs> against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good, good Father. We thank you that you are an everlasting God. And Lord, we pray that you would be with us now to speak through your Holy Spirit, that we might know you afresh in our lives, in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Are we okay on this one? Is it my connection? Use this one. Okay, we'll use this one. Good. So, this morning, I want you to imagine a scene in heaven. 
Jesus has just returned after the cross and the resurrection. He's ascended back to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And one of the smaller angels comes to see him with a worried look on his face. And the angel says, Lord, it's good to have you back. We sure did miss you while you were gone. And it's absolutely amazing, all the things you did down there on earth and all that you've achieved. But some of us, we've got a question. Jesus said, yes, smiling at him. Go on. Well, Lord, some of us were wondering what's plan B? Don't know if we could have the PowerPoint up. What's plan B? Go on, said Jesus. Well, it's so amazing all that you've done. Changed the course of history, the destiny of each and every human being. But what's plan B? I mean, you've left this little bunch of 11, what you may call it, disciples. And we know that they're there and that you've been with them for three years and everything. But they don't look very promising, do they? Look at how they all ran away when you got arrested. Even that Peter one, he denied you when you were arrested. We all agree that it's good to give them a part to play in the ultimate rescue plan. But what's going to happen? What's going to happen when they give up or mess up or go back to living their ordinary lives? What's plan B? And Jesus smiles again at the angel and he says, there is no plan B. It's down to them. They will have the Holy Spirit and my word to guide them and I will be with them always. Oh, said the small, stunned angel. You see, there is no plan B. This mission, God's mission, is down to us. This mission of Jesus is in our hands. He gave it to his disciples. There is no plan B. You could put it this way. The local church is the hope of the whole world. wonder how you feel about that. You are, we are, the hope of the whole world. If we want this world to get fixed, the local church is how it will happen. There is no plan B, and this term of our year of mission is all about making sure that we realise that. If we don't get on with telling people about Jesus, no one else will. It's down to us. That may be a bit of a shock for some of us, not what we're used to hearing, but God's mission is our mission. And we are the ones who can make a difference. Sometimes we look around the world and we might think, well, it's okay you standing there and saying that, but this is impossible. This is mission impossible. Look at all the people, the way they're living today, all the distractions that they have, all the things that get in the way of them, even considering what's the most important thing in life, what they really need to focus on and get sorted out. And let's be honest, for most people in our society, here in our country at this point in history, they think that Christianity is some odd, slightly quirky hobby that some people do on a Sunday morning and that these people who do this thing are a bit odd and they believe strange things. 
there are some people who think that the church buildings in our country ought to have a health and safety warning that says, danger contains nuts. <laughs> That's how some people think about Christianity. It is. So we might think that we've been given a mission that is impossible. We might give up on going out and telling people about Jesus. We might do other things instead, useful things instead of the really, really important things. So we have to shift the way we look at the world and the way we look at ourselves. And we have to see that mission is possible. It's not impossible, it is possible. It's possible because Jesus is with us, because we have the Holy Spirit, because we have his word, because we have all we need to get on and do this thing that he's given us to do. And you know, the whole thing with Mission Impossible, the whole thing about those Mission Impossible films, if we have the next slide, is that they are possible. Every time Tom Cruise sets out with this band of little guys who he trains and gets together, and they do this impossible thing, don't they? Prepare for takeoff. Because it just might be possible that we change this whole city. That we stop there being homeless guys, not because we don't help them because they come in and get a coffee every morning, but because this whole city gets together and decides that we're not going to stand for that anymore. We're not going to have homeless people on our streets because we believe that Jesus told us to go and help the poor and sort things out. Prepare for takeoff. Mission is possible. This year, we want to refocus on the mission of Jesus so that we can become a church that is all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. I hope that you've got that from the banners, from the cards, from all the things that we're trying to uh, put out to make that easy to understand. We're about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Because if we do this, their mission becomes possible. So let's look a bit more at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's on page uh, 1160 in your Bibles. And it's Paul writing to this early church in Corinth. And it's making clear that this is the way it was right from the very beginning. That people had to go out and tell people about Jesus. Therefore, since through God mercy, God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Even when things get tough, even when it looks impossible, we don't give up. It's because of God's mercy, his grace, that we get on with doing this. We've been given this ministry by him, this God who sent his son Jesus into the world so that we would know that he is a good, good father who has an always and everlasting love for us. So we do not lose heart. We live in a different way. We don't follow the ways of the world. We've renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception. We do not distort the word of God. We set out the truth plainly. We live in a way that surprises those around us so that we can show them not to be distracted by the shiny, superficial stuff. Instead, we bless the people that we come in contact with. And even if our message is hidden, even if the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, we get on with this mission. 
because there are forces at work in this world who do not want to hear a message of peace and simplicity, of compassion and of harmony. There are forces in this world that want us all to be insecure and always needing the next thing that comes around the corner. That's what the whole advertising industry is based upon, isn't it? It's based upon making people feel as if they haven't got what they want and they will find that in the next thing that they go out and buy. That's how the advertisers get people to spend the money that they don't have on the stuff that they don't need and people end up in debt and in all sorts of problems. There are gods in this world who want to be worshipped, gods of gambling, gods of drinking, gods of shopping. And the advertising industry serves those gods and makes sure that people bow down to them. But we know the truth. Everybody knows the truth, really. You're not going to find happiness in Ikea. You're not going to get it in a new sofa or a new car. You're not even going to get it with a new tattoo or a new haircut down Albert Road. We know where you will find true happiness. Jesus is Lord. Our job is to go and talk about Jesus and make sure he gets into people's hearts and souls so that he can restore and rescue them. Because God has made his light shine in our lives, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that we see in the face of Jesus Christ. So here, right at the beginning of the life of the church, Paul is writing to tell people that they have to get out and tell others about the gift that they've been given. Not so that people think they're great, but so that people see that this treasure is held in us, who are just jars of clay. We need to tell people that he is Jesus is Lord. He is the saviour of the world. He is the one who will meet their deepest needs. This is our task. This is our mission. This is how God's kingdom comes. So what does it look like for us? How do we do it here and now? Well, last week, over coffee, somebody told me uh, of an example of how to do it. And so I asked Mary to share how she does it uh, this morning. So, Thank you. Let me turn around so that I can see you properly. Well, thank you for your sermon. I, I'm quite encouraged this morning because when I came out of my flat this morning, there was somebody from downstairs. I don't know him very well, but he said, Hi, sweetie, how are you? And his fiancée was with him. And uh, so he said, Where are you going? So I said, I'm going to church. I'm going to St. Jude. He said, Cool, I'm going to the pub. I said, Why don't you, why don't you come to the church with me? And then he said, and you'll, you'll hardly believe this, he said, I'm beyond salvation. Do you know, I was, I was quite upset. I really was upset. And I thought, now how do you try and speak to somebody like this? Well, I've got to pray for him and his fiancée. But that's not the story I was going to tell you this morning. Um, I quite often take taxis now. And I got in a taxi just a few days ago. And I'd seen this chap who's the driver before. And he, usually he's very polite. But he was sitting looking like this, looking very despondent out of this window. So I said to him, hello, how are you? So he made some comment, I forget what it was now, but I said, 
all right, when are you going back to Romania? And I can always tell the people from Romania, and I'll tell you how. Because if, you, if they open the door for you and you say thank you, they say, you're welcome. All of them say it like that way. Anyway, he looked at me and he said, I've just come back from Romania. I came at six o'clock and he said, you're the first person I'm taking. So I said, oh, well, when are you going again? And I think he said something like he was going at Christmas time. Now, I always try to ask these drivers if I can see a picture of their families because a lot of them have their families back home. So I said to him, have you got a picture of your family? And he said, I have. I said, may I see it, please? So when we stopped, <clears throat> I looked at this, and he's got a gorgeous little boy, two years old. And I said, what's his name? He said, well, look, here is my wife. She's called Andrea, and here's my little boy. He's Darius. We would say Darius, I suppose. He's Darius. Oh, I said, that's a lovely name. He said, yes, it's the name of a Persian king. And I said, yes, and it's also somebody who's mentioned in the Bible. And he said, yes, yes. I said, tell me, in Romania, do you go to church? And he said, no, I'm not religious, but I believe that you can pray anywhere. I said, that's true. He said, I think you can pray in a field or, or, or somewhere outside. By this stage, we had reached Chilton Court, where I live. And he parked the car just in, in a little place, space by, my, by the flats. And I've never done anything like this before. But I just said to him, would you like me to have a prayer for your little boy while, while we're here? And I thought, what have I said now? And he said, yes, I would. So... We had this prayer, or I had this prayer, just thanking God that I had met him. His, his name is Lawrence. And praying for Darius and, and uh, his, his wife. And, of course, they are down on my list of three people to pray for every day. And it so happened that I was about to give him a £10 note because it's, it's £3 only. And I somehow felt I got to give him £10 so that he could buy a toy for Darius. So I said take this, I don't want any change. And I said, buy something for Darius. And he looked at me and his eyes lit up. I wish you could have seen them. And he said, oh, he said to me, he said, he couldn't say, he couldn't say the word for train, but that's what he wanted. He said, I want a choo-choo. I said, all right, you go and buy a choo-choo for Darius. When we're talking about this year of mission, that's what we're talking about. Just getting into conversations with people and offering to pray for them, offering Jesus into their lives, offering to make Jesus part of their lives. It's something that Mary does all the time and it's something that we could do, isn't it? Nothing that Mary did there is impossible for any of us to do, is it? She got on and did what we all should be doing, offering to pray for people, bringing Jesus into people's lives. It's not complicated, but it will change the whole atmosphere of our community, of our city. So many people in our day 
are isolated and alone or trapped in unhelpful situations. So many people need to know the saving power of God in their lives. And this came home to me when I was still a vet. When uh, I was a vet, there, uh, I was busy doing all my vet stuff, and for some reason, uh, someone gave me the book Schindler's List. And I read the book, and it was really interesting. And then, uh, after I'd read the book, the film came out, Steven Spielberg's film, that had uh, Liam Neeson in it, and Ben Kingsley, and won so many Oscars. And, it, and I sat down and watched the film. And there was a moment towards the end of the film when God spoke to me. I don't know if you've ever had that when you're just not expecting it, but I was really involved in this film, in this story of this amazing man who saved 1,200 Jews from the gas chambers and managed to get them out by helping them to, uh, by getting them to work in his factories, in munitions factories, so that they wouldn't go on the trains to the death camps. And there's a scene right at the end of the film a scene when the German authorities have surrendered, when uh, he's about to leave because he knows that he will be seen as a criminal after the war. And he's saying goodbye to the people. He's saying goodbye to uh, all the, those who's, who he's helped. And he realizes that he could have saved more. He realizes that if he'd sold his car, he could have saved uh, 10 more people. We could have the next slide. He realizes that if he'd sold his Nazi party membership badge, which was gold, he could have saved another person. If he'd done more, if he'd worked harder, if he'd made more money, if he'd sold some of his things, if he'd done more, he could have saved more people. And God said to me at that point, in the middle of that film, it, he said to me, what about you? What are you doing to save some people? When we get to the end of our lives, when we stand before God, are we going to look back at our lives and say, if only I'd done that, if only I'd done that, we could have saved somebody. There are people who are dying horrible deaths because they don't know Jesus. There are people who are suffering needlessly because they don't know his peace and his power in their lives. And the question is, are we going to get involved in this year of mission so that some of those people might be saved? We won't be able to save everybody. It's not about that. But it's about us being called to do the things that we're called to do with the people that we live beside. Let's look at the next passage that we had uh, read to us this morning, that passage in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9. Jesus sends out the 12, and then he sends out the 72. And the question is, why does Jesus send out the 12 and the 72? Why does he do it? Well, he does it so that they can find out what mission looks like before he leaves them, doesn't he? Because he wants them to know that they are involved in his mission. He wants to show them what mission looks like because they are the ones who are going to do it when he's gone. There is no plan B. They are not the finished articles, these people who he sends out. They are a motley crew of fishermen and tax collectors and zealots. They're not perfect people. If we wait until we're perfect people, we will never do anything. 
But God sees the potential. Jesus sees the potential in each one of us, even in us. He loves us that much. He believes in us that much. That he wants us to get on with his mission. And Jesus gives them power directly from Jesus himself. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit to go with us, with each one of us in each moment of every day. They are to go and preach the kingdom of God and to transform the world by healing the sick. And they're to take nothing with them. Did you hear that bit, that they were not to take their, uh, 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 an extra cloak or a pair of sandals? They're just to go. Why are they just to go like that? Because it makes them vulnerable. Because then they have to trust in the power of God. They have to trust God that he's going to equip them. He's going to give them all that they need. And Jesus tells them what to do when people reject them. He wouldn't give them that advice unless they were going to get rejected, would they? He is telling them, you will fail. He uses this to get them used to doing mission. This is what it looks like. And he tells them, you will fail. And we have to be prepared for that as well. As we go into this year of mission, there will be times when we mess up. There will be times when people reject us. There will be times when we will fail. But Jesus says, go and do it anyway. Don't worry about failure. There will be both hostility and hunger when we go out and share God's word. But look at that lovely man that Mary offered to pray for. Don't you think that made his day when she, he had that conversation with her? There'll be so many other people just like that. We're called to be brave, to be vulnerable, to trust in Jesus. And we are called to do this and remember that sometimes we might fail. We might fail. But you know, mission is possible. Mission is possible. We're told to go and do it, to be obedient, to preach the kingdom of God and to transform the world. Because there is no plan B, it's down to us. Jesus believes in us. He believes in you and me. He believes in us even though we have mornings when it's cold in church and, uh, and the computers don't work properly. He believes in us. And he wants us to get out and get doing this mission. Go and do it because mission is possible. Because he is with us. Because he is Lord.